Thank you for tuning in. Welcome back to episode three, Choices to Consequences. I'm still struggling with this illness. I can't get over it. It's, uh, I'll get over it for a day, two days maybe, and then uh, I think it's all good. I start going back to the gym and then that's it. I get uh, struck down by this illness again. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I think it's my age more than anything and uh, I don't want to admit that, but I really think it is. Anyway, where do we leave off? Okay, so uh, got kicked out of Spring Hill. Just recapping, went went back to Bullingdon, which is a proper lock-up jail. And anyway, so I'm getting discharged now from Bullingdon. I'm getting released, discharged as in released. So I'm getting released from there. So I served about, I think it was 14 and a half months because I served two and a half months over my uh, over my 12 month, what I had to serve about two years. So anyway, I get picked up by my pal and my brother. I've gone straight to the uh, hairdressers, barbers, because I'd let my beard grow quite a bit, and uh, my hair was a mess. So I done that, got all trimmed up, got all shaved up, nice. Went went home. Said hello to my mum, dad. Didn't even really acknowledge me. Thought, oh, all right, okay. Uh, and within that first week. I remember buying a car. It was an, an XR2. I don't know if anyone remembers them. Uh, it was an, it was the old shape like XR2. I think it was an F reg. I think. And uh, I got a job in a in a takeaway, like just delivery, just delivering uh, chicken and cheese burgers, so on and so forth. There wasn't Uber Eats and all that back then, and there wasn't. Uh, what's it called hungry horse hungry house whatever it's called none of that so uh anyway straight away it was like i hadn't even been in jail honestly when i got released and i i, I didn't even for one second think to myself right i'm going to go straight i'm going to go legit i'm not going to mess about the only thing i said to myself is i'm not going to commit crime like petty crime or any sort of crime whether it be theft burglary credit card fraud and anything I was I was going to stay away from that so what I started doing straight away my god I can't believe it now looking back at it I started selling puff and uh, pills ecstasy pills uh, I started selling those two so I was out on delivery and then I was not in a major scale just a couple of ounces a day uh, not loads and uh, pills at the weekend so I started doing that, but then what I've done is I I, I kept in contact with the uh, with the lads from Spring Hill, the lads that were like big in the heroin game, and what had happened is he had uh, he said look come up and see me click, so what I've done is I've gone up and seen him, and he was actually still in Spring Hill but he was towards right near enough towards the end of his sentence so he was working out in the community so he actually drove back to the jail in his own car he, he had he had a mobile phone he'd have to hand the keys in hand the phone in but what he could do monday to friday was get in his car and go to work so he had arranged it with these people that were in walthamstow and they had a factory and they used to import phone parts, cases, chargers, you know, 
headphones, those sorts of things. And he had said to him, look, you know, put me on and uh, I'll do what I'm doing. You know, it's not that he actually worked there. He'd done what he, whatever he'd done. But uh, if anyone rang up or anyone inquired, they'd cover. And uh, he paid his own wages, meaning he would give them the money and then they would print out the wage slip and say, right, here's your wages, because you need to, needed that as proof to take back to the jail to show that you was actually working. So anyway, I've gone up to see him, and uh, this is the first time I, uh, I've, I've seen money on that scale. I think it was about 30, 30 grand, I think it was. I've never seen that sort of money before. A lot of money's passed my hands, but in bulk, that sort of money, no. I'm only 22, so back then, that was a lot of money. Uh, I mean, now it's probably not even looked at as anything, but back then, in 2001, that was a lot of money, man. Uh, so anyway, so we're in the car, we're having a chit-chat, you know, just like, yeah, everything all right, how's things, and I'm asking about people who are still in Spring Hill. And yeah, we're chatting away, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, he goes, look, I've got to go and do something. Come with me. I said, obviously, yeah, boom. And what he's done is he, he mentioned a name to me. And I know this gentleman from Spring Hill. So uh, he goes, yeah, he's coming to meet me. Let's go and see him. I said, all right, let's go. He's parked up and he's gone, right, go to that car. I remember what car it was as well. It was a green Laguna. So anyway, he's gone, uh, go to that car and they'll give you a box bring that box back uh, just open it while you're in the car in front of them just look at it don't go through it just open it look at it and bring it to me I said sweet no problem I've gone to the car they've given me the box I've opened the box and it was full of packets of a thousand pound but loads of them all rammed in there and I've I played it off all cool like oh yes you know this is like a regular thing for me and they're asking me questions like, is it proper gear? Is it, you know, is it good? Does it run well? Does it do this? Does it do that? I don't know what they're talking about because he hasn't filled me in. Uh, but obviously I worked it out what they was asking and what drug. You know, when you say, does it run well? You're not talking about Coke. You're talking about Brown. And when they say, does it run well? What they're referring to is, it done, does it run well on the foil? So when people smoke it on the foil, does it run well? Uh, which is one of the things to look at just quick side note I'm just going off track a bit but I'm going to mention uh, these are the things to check brown is how it runs on the foil does it run clean meaning does it spit does it frazzle no the cleaner it runs the better it is the quicker it dries when you take the lighter away from underneath the foil the quicker it dries the better it is the glassier it looks and the blacker it is the more shinier it is the better it is the more black it is the better it is these are all things and you pick them up as as you go on so you know you know you you, you can tell i mean you go to even someone who doesn't even supply drugs but you go to a, a an addict and you say right throw that on the foil just check it and they'll be able to they'll tell you straight away how it runs how it hardens when you take the heat away uh the the blacker it is the darker it is the more shinier it is like glass, the better it is. All of those things, they all come into play. So anyway, I picked the box up. I've gone back to the car. I've given him the box. He's whistled to some, just some little random kid. He must have been 16. He looked 12, but he must have been 15, 16. And he's gone, oi, come on. And the guy's come over to the car 
and he, uh, my mates opened up the box he took a couple of packets out put them in his pocket closed the box and said here and then given it to one guy that guy's then left with the money and then he's called the other guy to go to the car and give him it was a JD sports bag he had it in and he goes go to that car but but he uh, he didn't call the other guy with the gear over to the car because you don't know it might be under but it could be anything so he's covered his back hasn't he he sent me out to go and collect the money and then he sent the other guy who took the money to tell them tell the other guy standing there to go to the car uh, and then he's done that so that's all transaction complete I'm still in shock like what the fuck have I just done and uh, then when the guy's giving him the JD bag and then he's coming back to the car say hello blah 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 whatever he's gonna bring out one I didn't drink nothing of it, I just thought whatever, you know, whatever they're talking about, they're talking about. He's going to bring out one. He's brought one out. Uh, an ounce. There's an ounce of gear, an ounce of brown. And my mate's just giving it to me like that. Here, get yourself on your feet. Because he knows I've only been out a week. Uh, and he's going to, yeah, get yourself on your feet, man. Sort yourself out, get yourself some bits and do what you're doing. Just get yourself on your feet. And an ounce back then, you could easily get yourself on your feet. Easily. You could sort yourself out, get yourself on your feet. Uh, number one, it was sort of like my drink for doing what I'd done, going to collect a box of money. I'm all good with that. And number two, you know what? I think because I've been quite close to the guy, and, you know, we talked about certain things as well. It wasn't just a case of, you know, drugs and that was it. Uh, yeah, man, it was good looking out. You know one of them ones? Yeah, yeah, nice one for that, mate. And I was, uh, I was all happy about it. So, uh, anyway, got back to my area, uh, St. Albans, got back to my manor, and uh, ran straight up into my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I remember, ran straight up into my bedroom. First thing I'd done was smoked a joint of gear, because I used to smoke it in joints. So, first thing I'd done, boom, rolled a joint up, smoked it. Wicked. Gear, 10 out of 10, absolutely brilliant. It smashed me. It smashed me so much that I, my my plan was to go smoke this, test it, come back up to my room and start bagging and tagging, which means chopping it up into twenty pound rocks, uh, twenty pound uh, lumps, uh, one sheet of Riddler, clinging it and knotting it and done. Uh, that was my plan, but it spanked me so badly that when I came upstairs, I just lied down and just gouged out, goofed out. Uh, semi daydreaming on my bed for hours I remember it was hours didn't even realise the time it really it really it really knocked me for six it did and it was a joint I didn't even smoke it on the foil or put it in a injection it just took it out of me so I was over the moon with this so what I started doing was uh, going round giving my number out but what it was back then is there wasn't a lot of heroin users I mean, our elders were heroin users, importers, sellers, big scale. These are our elders. Uh, but when it came to on the street level, like, you know, 20 pound rocks here and there, here and there, it wasn't much call for it. Crack, yeah. But a lot of those people hadn't crossed over onto the heroin. Uh, so I was struggling to get customers. I, I mean, I had some, but they were all old a lot. And... Uh, 
they would all ring me at between 8 in the morning and 10 in the morning when they were obviously going through withdrawals uh, yeah all early morning all early morning I mean I'd done it throughout the day but in the morning was the bulk of the business so things like that were ticking over okay and then I was doing the puff and the pills so I was doing I was all and and then I had my wages at the end of the week so I was doing all of that but do you know what I was smoking crack so every bean that I earned so I got my wages I got the pills I got the puff and I got the heroin every penny I was earning was going on the crack and honestly there were some weeks I would have to say mum get a tenner I've got all of those uh, income all of those income all of those ways of getting money and uh, I would still be hitting my mum up for the odd tenner here and there it was bad uh, do you know what doing that line number one I'd done it because I got the ounce free yeah so I thought you know what I'll get myself built up and he said to me look when you get going come and see me man come and see me when you get going come and see me just ring me tell me you're coming tell me what you want and it'll be here for you and the guy's giving me a good opportunity there do you know what I mean an ounce free at least come back and get the other ounce every time you want to re-up so I started doing that I've done it a few times, more than a few times, but it was going all right. But like I said, I was struggling to get the reload money. In my head, like I said, I wanted to better myself. Obviously, the main thing is get money. That's the main thing. I want to get money. Uh, you want to get clothes. You want to get yourself nice items. You just want to be self-sufficient and doing all right. Uh, me working, I mean, the wages weren't great. It was a couple hundred pound a week you know four or five hours a night the main thing as me working was more of a, more of a cover meaning i could drive anywhere anything happened i'm on delivery mate okay so my car's being seen up and down up and down left and right that was more just a cover uh you know uh me stopping running in the house coming back out like i said it was more just a cover than anything but I started relying on every penny I earned. Every penny, honestly. There were some days, I, like I said, I'd have to hit my mum up for 10, 20 quid for petrol. Because I was blowing every penny I got on crack. Uh, my, my, my crack habit just went ridiculous. Through the roof. Uh, I'm talking crazy. Uh, what started happening is this which is typical when you sell drugs this is what starts happening you start off with an ounce the first few times you're doing alright and then what happens is you struggle to get your reload money you should be flying you should have that reload money should be done and dusted in the first three days easily but you struggle to even do that and on top of the puff the pills and wages I was struggling to get the reload money. So then what happens is you go from an ounce and you say to yourself, right, I'll go and get a half ounce, uh, half an ounce, 14 grams instead of 28. And I'll sell that, double that and get that. And I'll be back, back as, you know, back where I was. And then what happens? You struggle to get the half ounce money. So then what happens? You take it down again. Oh, I'll go get a quarter, which is now seven grams. Then what happens? You struggle with that. And then before you know it, you're going to get an eighth, which is an eighth of an ounce, which is three and a half grams. You're even struggling to get the reload money for that, which is only like, back then it was what, one, I think it was 90, I think it was like a one -er, 
one one twenty or something, one thirty. I don't know, something like that. Back then, I was even struggling to get that. Come on, from all those all all, all those channels of income, and I'd struggle to even get one fifty, one thirty, whatever it was together to even go get an eighth. And you know what? So many people like over the years I've met that try and set a line up with apes, half ounces, quarters. You can't do it, man. You can't do it. When you want to set a line up, you've got to go for two in a queue, two in a queue. You have to, which is uh, two ounces and a quarter of an ounce. Uh, you can't do it with apes and quarters. It's just, and especially when you, sm when you smoke, you definitely can't do it. And which is what I was doing. So like I said, I was doing that and it just, I mean, it went on for quite a few months. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't just like within the first month, it just, it, it just uh, messed up and, not, and that was it. No, it went on for quite a while. Uh, but then what's happened, I remember I had, a, I had a huge blowout one weekend. I mean, it was nothing new, but this time I went OTT. And honestly, I remember I woke up and I had like one pound 12. I remember going into my pocket and going, and I didn't even have, I had one pound 12 pence. I remember it just, for some reason that sticks in my head. It was a pound coin, a 10 pence piece and a two pence piece. And I was like, oh dear, I've got no gear, as in no, no drugs, nothing. So I've got no puff, no pills, uh, no, no, no brown nothing and I'm thinking to myself oh my god what have I done uh shit oh dear I am in trouble uh what can I do first I thought of honestly this crossed my head I thought when the people ring me I'll give them duds but then you think to yourself you'll get away with two and then that'll be the end of it word would spread I was giving out duds he's on the gear too hard and he's messed up and I didn't really want to do that uh, so what I what I done was this straight away I'm back into crime again I mean it's not major crime but it's petty crime but the money was good so what I would do I'd walk into a shop and I would it was mainly supermarkets or supermarket petrol stations don't try the Sri Lankan owned petrol stations and I don't mean that in a racist way. In fact, it's a compliment. But you're not getting away from them. They'll just hit the button and the door will lock. And uh, and they look at you. You know, they they scan you up and down. And I've, I've got to know that. Because don't forget, I went away for credit card fraud. But I would always stay away from them Sri Lankan-owned petrol stations. For some reason, they, they you can't nick from them. You can't steal from them. You can't do any sort of crime in them. It's hard work. So what I would do is like I said I'd go to Martin McCall's I mean I've been arrested for all of these so it don't matter so I can say it so I'd go to Martin McCall's co-ops were they co-ops then or Summerfield I think they were co-ops then uh, those shops and I'll go to supermarkets and supermarket petrol stations so what I would do is I'll go in small talk and my my, my line was always this or based around this my supplier uh, can't get a hold of him or whatever the excuse may be I need cigarettes for my vending machines and it was a whole whole like paragraph I had put together a whole speech sorry I had put together 
and I would tailor it as it needed to be and what I'd say is yeah so I need cigarettes for my vending machines okay yeah no problem sir what would you like okay so uh, I'd either pull out a bit of paper pretending I like I've got a list or I would just say okay so this is what I need I'd have 400 Benson because Benson and Hedges are top seller so it would be like 400 B&H Benson and Hedges uh, two or three hundred embassy number one and uh, silk cut and uh, Mayfair and Lambert and Butler those are the ones I would go for all the time because like I said especially the Benson and the embassy number ones uh, and the silk cut mainly them three and then the other lot would be varied so what they would do is they would get them whole cartons don't forget and they would bag them up boom 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 and then it would be on the counter and then I'd say okay can I have a whole box of uh, Rizzlers uh, or a whole box of whatever something on the bottom shelf so they have to turn around and bend down and I would just pick up the whole pack the whole carrier bag or two carrier bags and I would just go through the door and back then fags were a five or a hit uh, five pound for 20 pound uh, for 20 fags I would sell so a whole a whole sleeve of 200 would cost like 50 55 quid I would sell it for 30 but I would walk out of one shop with like eight seven sleeves eight sleeves uh I think my record, honestly, and this is no joke, I think my record was like 12 sleeves out of one shop. But I would go everywhere. Uh, there, there used to be these these uh, off-licenses called Threshers. I don't know if anyone remembers them, Threshers. I think it became the wine rack and something else afterwards, but they used to be called Threshers. And uh, their security was just pathetic. Old-style cameras, didn't really work. Uh, no buzzer on the door nothing like that so I would go for them mainly but I'd go everywhere Hatfield Welling oh no sorry not Welling Wheat Hampstead Hatfield Wheat Hampstead Harpenden St Albans everywhere Redbourne uh, going around doing that and then it even got to a stage where they would say watch out for this person uh, I remember once uh, getting nicked for one of these I mean, I got nicked for all of them in the end, but I remember once getting nicked for one of these and I'm sat in the photo bit and on the wall it had, do you know any of these people? And it had a picture of me because I remember the Adidas top I was wearing and I was looking at it like, oh, and I looked back and I looked at it again, oh, and I shouldn't have done it because two, three times when I looked, he's clocked me looking at it and he's gone, what are you looking at there, mate? Do you recognise anyone? And he's looked, and he's, he's, you can tell. Once you know that and know me, you could tell. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, I, I ended up getting nicked for all of them, but this is the sort of thing I started doing again, uh, that sort of crime. So, I would always get one shop a day, sometimes two shops a day, but all the money was going on crack. I wasn't getting anywhere. I wasn't doing anything. And even if I'd say, right, I'll hit two shops, get the money together, go and get myself a quarter, I would never do it. It would never work. Because as soon as you get that couple hundred quid, the first thing you want to do is go and smoke. And any any uh, junkie, user, addict will tell you that. Side note, fun fact, 
the word junkie do you know where it comes from I'll tell you where it comes from after the Vietnam War troops came back to America and they were like I think there's some ridiculous like 60% or something like that had tried heroin but I think like 40 or 50% came back and they had raging heroin habits because don't forget they're out there playing with the China White uh, they're all injecting they don't know what foiling and smoking is so they're getting the best of the best out there so they come back with raging habits and what's happened is uh, un unemployment was rife you know they came back to nothing so what they would do is they would collect junk for the junkyard as in our, our version of that would be scrap for the scrapyard but in America it's junk for the junkyard hence the word junkie anyway moving on from that now uh, I started getting in this went on this went on for months and months I'll probably even say it went on for a year or more than a year uh, 21, 22, 23, 24 so yeah about 3 years this went on for 2 and a half years, 3 years this went on for and honestly I remember doing an earner one day and uh, I think it was about 2 and a half grand I think I got and I was staying at the Ramada Jarvis Hotel and uh, doing what I was doing there uh, coke and prostitutes uh, sorry crack and prostitutes and uh, the police had been around the house looking for me and I remember ringing up my mum or ringing the house and my brother I think it was answered the phone he goes where are you and I told him where I am and he goes just wait there mum and dad are coming I thought ain't that strange why we you know mum and dad are coming what's wrong with you uh, so I sort of cleaned up I knew how long it would take to get from our house to uh, the hotel. It's only 10 minutes. And uh, they pulled up. I've jumped in the car. And this is no joke. My dad's handing me my passport. He's handing me 300 quid. And he's gone, right, we're going straight from here to the, to the airport. Uh, you're getting on a plane. You're going to Pakistan. I was like, what are you on about? I'm going to Pakistan. Yep, you're going to Pakistan. Your, uh, your mum and your brother and your sister, they'll meet you in a few months or whatever it was, but you're going now. Oh my God, really? And uh, when you're Pakistani at that age, maybe it's a common thing. A lot of Pakistani families do it. When you're like the age, the marriage age, uh, and especially if you're on drugs, I don't know why they do this, they send you to Pakistan, which is the hub of heroin, bar Afghanistan. Uh, they send you to Pakistan when you've got a heroin habit in England. They think it's going to fix you up. I don't know why they do that. It's a common thing they do, and I, I don't know why. So I sort of like knew they're sending me to get married and sort my shit out. I was like that. Oh, my God. So, yeah, straight from Ramada Jarvis, straight to the uh, airport, on a plane, straight to Pakistan and uh, that's where I'll leave it I think I need a whole episode or maybe two for what went on there you can imagine what I was on there uh, yeah thank you very much for your support I've been getting good feedback from uh, friends, colleagues uh, big shout and a thank you to Scott the Wizard my tech guy big shout out to George Fletcher Bagnall thank you very much sir big shout out to Dave Rianne still on holiday 
big shout out to all the C2 people who are involved Tony from Hackrow uh, yeah thank you very much for your support for your help it means a lot to me and uh, stay tuned more to come thank you this went on this went on for months and months I'll probably even say it went on for a year or more than a year uh, 21, 22, 23, 24. So yeah, about three years this went on for. Two and a half years, three years this went on for. And honestly, I remember doing an earner one day. And uh, I think it was about two and a half grand, I think I got. And I was staying at the Ramada Jarvis Hotel. And uh, doing what I was doing there. Uh, coke and prostitutes. Uh, sorry, Kraken prostitutes, and uh, the police had been around the house looking for me. And I remember ringing up my mum, or ringing the house. Um, my brother, I think it was, answered the phone. He goes, "Where are you?" And I told him where I am. And he goes, "Just wait there. Mum and dad are coming." I thought, "Ain't hey, that strange? Why? We don't know. Mum and dad are coming. What's wrong with you?" Uh, so I sort of cleaned up. I knew how long it would take to get from our house to uh, the hotel. It's only 10 minutes. And uh, they pulled up. I've jumped in the car. And this is no joke. My dad's handing me my passport. He's handing me 300 quid. And he's gone, right, we're going straight from here to the, to the airport. Uh, you're getting on a plane. You're going to Pakistan. I was like, what are you on about? I'm going to Pakistan. Yep, you're going to Pakistan. Your, uh, your mum and your brother and your sister, they'll meet you in a few months or whatever it was, but you're going now. Oh my God, really? And uh, when you're Pakistani at that age, maybe it's a common thing. A lot of Pakistani families do it. When you're like the age, the marriage age, uh, and especially if you're on drugs, I don't know why they do this, they send you to Pakistan, which is the hub of heroin, bar Afghanistan. Uh, they send you to Pakistan when you've got a heroin habit in England. They think it's going to fix you up. I don't know why they do that. It's a common thing they do, and I, I don't know why. So I sort of like knew they're sending me to get married and sort my shit out. I was like that. Oh, my God. So, yeah, straight from Ramada Jarvis, straight to the uh, airport, on a plane, straight to Pakistan and uh, that's where I'll leave it I think I need a whole episode or maybe two for what went on there you can imagine what I was on there uh, yeah thank you very much for your support I've been getting good feedback from uh, friends, colleagues uh, big shout and a thank you to Scott the Wizard my tech guy big shout out to George Fletcher Bagnall, thank you very much, sir. Big shout out to Dave, Rianne, still on holiday. Big shout out to all the C2 people who are involved. Tony from Hackrow. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for your support, for your help. It means a lot to me. And uh, stay tuned, more to come. Thank you. Sorry, I almost forgot. Uh, thank you to Lizzie from Probation and uh, Nikki from uh, CGO, Change Growth Live uh, Drug and Alcohol Services. Thank you very much.